flickery, you can start your, here we go. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the beginning of our Academic Archers Festive Offerings. Gosh, that sounds good, doesn't it? I hope everybody has seen the Academic Archers Radio Times. There are so many opportunities to deal with the real meat of the archers over the Christmas period. So please don't feel alone because your completely mad gang of friends have content up the wazoo for you over Christmas. Beginning with, da, 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 you will see next to me on the Zoom, <laughs> it, um, we have, in, in response to the absolute legend that is Maggie Bartlett and her extremely brilliant paper on researching the silence, we were talking to Headley on, on Facebook and she is one of the only uh, Archer's characters who has been a main character and who has fallen silent. <laughs> and so that was the initial... <laughs> the idea was that we could hear her reflections on, on a bit of that. Um, and also, of course, Headley's got... What did you say, Headley, since 1975 in terms yeah. of dealing with the fandom as in its various iterations, including the Archer's Addicts. So we are hoping that this is going to be a festive, rip-roaring Christmas cracker treat, insert festive bauble um, metaphor, um, you know, up the wazoo. Let us begin. Welcome, Headley. Hello. I need to pause now as everybody looks at me and says, hang on. I can't be Kathy. Kathy <laughs> doesn't look like that, for God's sake. I used to, people used to say to me, "Well, why haven't you got dark hair?" Yeah, I, I thought she had dark hair. Anyone yeah. else got a very strong Kathy with dark hair in their heads? Don't know why. Well, Tony described her when he when she was introduced to Ambridge. He said he'd seen this uh, dark-haired young woman, a mm. uh, young teacher. Very now, no, that was a kiss of death. Being a teacher, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go back to those times then? Your introduction to the village. How did you get the gig? What happened? All of that stuff. So how did I get the gig? Or you were Cathy. Okay. Um, William Smethurst was a script writer for the Arches, and uh, I'd had a baby, my son Nick, and his wife had had a baby, and they had just moved to uh, Shipston or near Shipston, and I'm in Stratford, and uh, they were all new, new, and I he, he'd written a play that I'd been in. And so I thought, well, I'll go and see his wife because it must be horrible to just have a baby and be in a new place. So then they invited me to dinner. And he said, oh, I'm script writing The Archers. And the best thing is when I send out the black spot letters. So I said, what are the black spot letters? And he said, well, when we write them out. So I said, my God, I can't think of anything worse than being in The Archers. Yeah. So here I am, was it 2003 characters later? Um, and so really it's due to William that I got the job and then uh, stayed in it for a long time. But my first character um, was only there for six months. And actually that pre was before Bill. That was with Tony Shrine, our original producer. And uh, I played Libby Jones, Libby Jones's milk recorder. <laughs> and she, she came to see Tony. I was part of away in Wales. And uh, so she came to Tony. She said, hello, I've come to record your milk. And uh, so they ha almost had a fling that was looked at rather sceptically by Peggy. And she also, at that stage, saved Adam's life from a snake bite. So without uh, Libby, there'd have been no Adam. Oh Just my God. think about it. You should, you should have then. <laughs> so we had, <laughs> we had Libby to blame then for, yeah. for Adam. 
Was it was it written by an adder? Uh, I can't remember. It might have been. We didn't have it in the studio. <laughs> an asp. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. So you so and then, and what was the other one you said before? Kathy? So well, then she came back. And, oh, this was fun. So this is Afa, and uh, Afa was a bit of a fantasy figure of Williams, and so she had long blonde hair. And she had melting brown eyes and she was 19 or 18. And they said to me, um, now we don't want we have days of making you talk. So being a serious actor, I went to the German club in Stratford where there were people who'd been here since the war and discovered that they all talk like this. <laughs> so it was fabulous. So within a week, this is radio for you, within a week, I went from the, oh, where, mm, cha, and I went to, oh, your accent's too strong. No, no, lose the accent, reduce the accent. And then we got this letter from an NCO interpreter in the last war. And he was quite peppery in his letter, which I've still got. And he was rebuking people for peas instead of peas. Oh, it went on. And he said, well, as uh, an NCO interpreter in the last war, many a would-be imposter paid for the fact he said he was from Saxon when I knew he was from Hessony. <laughs> that au pair of yours, she's certainly not German. Uh, I should think her second language is French, uh, possibly uh, Canadian French or Belgian or Swiss French. <laughs> I had to write to him and say, you're absolutely right. My second language is French. I've never learned German. I, I find that quite hard, German. Um, and so it, it, you can never, ever uh, overestimate or underestimate the fans. Uh, we always have an expert somewhere who knows better than we do. Yeah, we've got right. some of them on the line today. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And of course, there's that brilliant bit in um, the Quentin Tarantino film where they're completely... Um, uh, their cover is blown by exactly that a specific place yes, specific accent yeah, yeah exactly. and you remember we had this woman who said that all the cows sounded the same so they all went out into the fields and <laughs> started recording authentic cows my, my favorite on that one was oh my god I was in a thing called Dracula radio play and we had in the studio then, I mean, it's very sophisticated now, but there were thick pink velvet curtains. So if you were doing far away or what kind of acting, you used to bury your head in these curtains. So I'm supposed to be Dracula's mother. And first of all, in the read through, I'm sitting next to this man I don't know. And I say to him at the end, and I'm afraid this is typical. I said, gosh, that is a load of tosh, isn't it? Do you think so? I wrote it. <laughs> Brilliant. So then we went on to, we had little guillotines with cabbages to get the sound of lopping heads. Oh, and Paddy good. was in it, who plays Jill Archer. Paddy was in it. And I said, Paddy, I've never given birth. What's it, what's it like? She said, oh, darling, um, it's a bit like being sick. I thought, <laughs> okay. So my head is buried in this faded pink velvet curtain. I'm going, <laughs> they went out and they got real horses. Anyway, we got this crit in the Daily Telegraph. And it said, but, but basically it said, this was just terrible. And there was some woman um, supposedly giving birth. It sounds like she's being sick. Um, <laughs> there was the sound of cabbages being lopped off and, and just didn't sound like heads at all. And the worst thing of all was the good old coconut shells for the horses. Oh, <laughs> that's just brilliant. But yes, golden memories of radio. <laughs> I mean, it, that's what I love about it so much. Whenever I imagine it, 
sort of it's somewhere between a sort of jumble sale and high tech you know, <laughs> sort of props and things although is it um and have you seen this week charlotte higgins brilliant article in the guardian oh yes she, yes amazing isn't it so, but she's got some really interesting technical details about how this the current soundscape and everything yeah. I, anyone yeah. that hasn't heard so they've got it as an audio book now so it's 43 yeah. minutes long and just in case your one's grip on reality was a little too strong, it's narrated by um, Daisy Badger. So she's oh, bless her. so it's Daisy Badger, but she's speaking Charlotte's words. So Charlotte, actually, I hadn't noticed this when I read it. Yeah, it says I a lot or my feelings about this and that. So my brain was just kind of, of going, Pip, not Pip, not Pip. Pip doesn't know, oh. no, no, Charlotte, 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 <laughs> Charlotte. Oh my god. Yeah, body just you know yes. yeah so so Hedley is, is it rude to ask how old your son is because if you said 44 44 so just yeah. just like us Cara um if um so so when you were in you so hello are you 45 yeah. no I'm 45 Cara's 40 yeah. and I'm 43 oh Cara's 40 sorry oh my god little soul little we're other side we're either side of your son is he married I mean you know we some of us are single no, he's he's in New York, a bit far away. <laughs> oh well, okay. I, I try to pimp Cara out as often as possible. Um, so, um, so as a new mum, William Smithhurst, what was he like? Because the sort of legend is that he was quite fierce. Was he? Was he? Was he? he wasn't fierce. He was manipulative and subtle. Really, mm. I love it. Mm. That's how we like our manipulation, actually, subtle. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, he was an interesting character. He was and, very good at comedy, very good at comedy. No longer, and that's something that's lacking at the really. moment. There was a lightness of touch in his scripts and in how he drove the storylines, which was right for the time. I mean, times have changed, and we are generally more serious, and we find life a little less humorous. Uh, some might say a lot less humorous, uh, but no, he reflected a, a lightness in the country scene, if you like. And he also kept the um, agricultural side, but he himself lived in the country. Um, one of his daughter, Henrietta, um, was used to seeing him wring the necks of poultry and, and so on. And when my son went out there, <laughs> came back, he was telling me about the afternoon's entertainments. <laughs> no, absolutely fair enough. But a lot of the um, countryside storylines came from Will, from his, from Bill, from his real, real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And talk about fans. Um, fans, they're very much part of, uh, of this saga, this extraordinary series with all its um, levels. Um, but I did have, I was, then. how was I with Nick? I was 30, I think. And I had this young lad called David um, who adored clearly Afa. And clearly thought she was 19 with long blonde hair and soft brown eyes. And so he wrote me a lot of letters. And in the end, he wanted to meet. So I said to him, look, um, this, is, this is really kind and delightful. But I think I should tell you that I am 30 and pregnant and married. And I hope this won't come as too much of a shock. And bless his heart and his good manners. He wrote back to me and said, um, oh, right. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> I've always remembered that. And the other one I loved, I loved was an old lady. And she was so worried about Afa getting married in May. And um, she sent me this postcard. It must have taken her ages with very um, wavery writing saying, 
please, please do not get married in May. Marry in May, repent the rest of the day. Do you know a man fell through my ceiling today, but the neighbours were very good. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I'm loving the fact that this is exactly the level of reality that we operate on. It sort of <laughs> swings violently between humorous and what and back. Yeah, yeah. So that's excellent. I'm glad that you're on our wavelength. So... <laughs> So you did join the cast as yeah. Oh, that was fascinating. Yeah, join the cast, right. So you join the cast with people who've been in it since the 1950s. And you come in in the 19... God, I can't work out maths, I'm very bad at it. 1970s, early 70s. Yeah. And so we've got Doris and Dan and Bob and Jethro. And we've got all these wonderful... Martha, Martha Medea, for you who remember these old characters, Marjorie. Marjorie Antrobus. Love her. She came a bit later. Um, And we had Norman Shelley, who played Colonel Danby, who was living with Laura, Aunt Laura. And and, so much. Tell tell me when to stop, because there's so much stuff. Um, Norman, right, Norman. He was the voice of Winnie the Pooh, and he was a very famous Dr Watson with Carlton Hobbs Sherlock. And um, he had a little case. So he would go into studio before one of his scenes and he would open the case and he would take out a little bottle of whiskey and a glass and he would pour the whiskey into the glass and drain it, wipe it, put it back, close the lid and say, I'm ready now. Brilliant. So we love Norman. Uh, but but the thing with Doris and Dan was you didn't sit, well, in the reception area where we sat before we went in to record, you didn't sit in their seats. You just didn't. You knew which chairs belonged to them. Um, and the other thing about it that was very daunting, because you're there, you've had no direction as to what character you are or what you should be sounding like or anything. And they are chatting away as actors, and then suddenly they assume these characters like coats. One minute, you're there. Next minute, you're, you're in Ambridge. They're all there, all these familiar voices. Quite. And then you have to open your mouth and you hear this little thin, reedy, weary voice coming out. <laughs> it's, and I had to do that three times. <laughs> but no, that was uh, those were the days. Pebble Mill were, were special. Pebble Mill was lovely. We loved it. So, so they were very much an established ensemble cast when you yeah. when you came along. Obviously, I mean, so 20 years of... But the still, I mean... So something that Charlotte wrote that I wasn't aware of was that the woman that played Doris had signed, had kind of, you know, had correspondence made up for Brookfield and things like that, which I hadn't really understood. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, I have. Someone's asked whether I worked with Walter Gabriel. Yes, I worked with two of them. Um, but Chris, yeah, and with wheelchair. The one point where you had Chris Gittings in his... Uh, who played Walter in his wheelchair and then because you can carry on forever with the archers and then there was um, Jethro and George Hart who was a silversmith in Chipping Camden and he was in his wheelchair Um, but I I was particularly see I really loved the Jethro character and I'll tell you one thing I miss enormously I was thinking about that this morning at this time, and for some time afterwards, you had partners, partnerships. So you had Jack Woolley and Caroline. Mm. You had Shula and Caroline. You had uh, Betty and Sid. Mm. Uh, you had uh, female friendships. Um, and they're kind of quite core to a lot of our lives, I feel, still. Absolutely. Uh, perhaps more female than male. I don't know. I, I don't know. But um, I loved the conversations with Jethro and Neil 
bite, they have a, flat, a flask of tea and they just pontificate about the world. And that was when we had nine characters per episode instead of seven, makes a hell of a difference. Mm. Um, and it was 15 minutes, not what it is now, 12 and a half or whatever nonsense. So there was a luxury there. There was a luxury and uh, a delight. And that space, I mean, we have talked about that. It's interesting when you reflect, you're right, Caroline did an awful lot of kind of emotional work in the village. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of old timers who still referred to her as the village bike, which is very unfortunate. But that was good fun. But she did, um, she did have, she had a lot of relationships across the, you know, if you think of her and Will even, and yeah. you know, there's all kinds of sort of, and again, that's what we know about women, isn't it? That they yeah. are doing all the glue and all the emotional labor and all the everything, rather than this slightly weird, just the nuclear families, just kind yeah. of retrenching into the nuclear families. And one of the one of our kind of preoccupations all the way through doing academic arts has very much been, well, there's nowhere for us in the village. You know, we're kind of mad independent career women. You'd be up and out like, um, like Debbie, like Brenda, you know, yeah. it, it's, um, there is something about that, that actually in so far as the sort of gender stuff is kind of, well, anyway, sorry, I'll just, No, it's a good point. It's a really, really good that, point. So, you know, we wrote a whole book about that. Now, Kathy, I would Kathy. say, was a very good example of this because Kathy had friends. Kathy was yeah. too many. She had relationships and she was yeah. doing a lot of brokering and bridging work between yeah. the main clans, I think, throughout. Her, her sort of life on yeah. the show. She was a bit annoying, really. Um, she wouldn't have been one of my mates. But I think um, she became rather parochial. She became um, rather conventional, despite what happened to her. She always erred a bit, perhaps, on the side of um, doing the right thing. Uh, I haven't said that, thinking about her past, perhaps not. Um, I don't know what it was about her. I really tried because um, my work in theatre was comedy. Uh, my timing is actually comedic. Um, so to wind up with dear old Kathy, <laughs> I tried to inject humour, uh, imagination in this woman, but they, they, would, they would really stop me. You know, I'd be in studio and they would direct me. And so clearly they had an image of this woman. I, I think to be fair to her, she is representative of a lot of women out there. You know, the business with Jamie... Um, the, looking after her son, the, the worries about being a single woman looking after the boy. I think the whole business about being bullied in the workplace. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of it gets overridden, some of it is repetitive, it's tedious. But um, she, 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 to me anyway, I think she represented quite a, a big group of women out there. Mm. I mean, I always felt quite comfortable with Kathy because, and um, you know, as we've mentioned, this will be podcast. My mum is a primary school teacher in the school in which I was, you know, a, a pupil, which gave me, I, you know, I, I knew quite a lot of school marmy types. And I always had Kathy in that kind of box. That's or... right. Hopeless. You see, you can't get out of it. The moment they're made for a teacher, because what people bring to the plate is all their horrible experiences with teachers. Mm. <laughs> and they expect it to be bossy and, and uh, not particularly imaginative or understanding. It's all, it's all um, types, isn't it? It's, it's generalised. Well, it's, I think it's it, not yes, it is, but then it's kind of down to the sort of all the colouring in yeah. that, that we yeah. do. But also that's the work of the actors, but also in the, in our own heads. As I say, men in love with you because of a, 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 a script outline. I find that absolutely hilarious. So, <laughs> so, so we're still sort of we're still in the early days. So Kathy yeah. 
in the 70s, how did she, I mean, I, this is I wasn't alive. How did she actually come to the village? She came as a teacher and she came to Ambridge um, and got to know Sid. And then she, Lucy was at her school. I can't actually remember whether she came to talk to Sid about Lucy, but that's how she met Sid. She also met uh, the policeman that she subsequently had an affair with, Dave, um, I can't Dave remember. Barry. Dave Barry, thank you. <laughs> Um, and so that was established early on it was quite interesting because when she had her fling with Dave Barry um, she had this little red car and and people saw the little red car parked outside his uh, the police house and I got all these letters from teachers saying where do you find the time I know well that was my experience I know (laughs) school moms not afternoon delight but you know I rather enjoyed all that because I say they all seem quite tedious to me. I mean, obviously not my mum. God, I mean, sorry, I'm not, this isn't like a therapy session. So, and we actually had a paper at the Lincoln conference about why was there no school in Ambridge? And mm. we should have made this link, shouldn't we? That there, that Kathy, because there isn't a school, but Kathy was a teacher, which is why. Yeah. She, like, she didn't teach in the Ambridge school. No, she taught in uh, Borchester. Yeah. And then, then there was the link to why she worked at, um, Lower Loxley because she was doing the exposition, wasn't she? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and then of course, Kathy Holland wasn't her maiden name. We don't know what her maiden name is because she had another husband uh, first, Steve Holland, who came to Ambridge at some stage and created a bit of a mess and then disappeared. I know she's a woman of parts (laughs) for a for a boring woman, as as you say, for someone quite prissy. Now, so she had the initial husband. She had Dave. Had ha ha. She was married to Sid. Yeah. Then they split. Then yeah. there was the long fling with Kent, long thing with Kenton. Yeah. And there was there any others? No. No, that was it. <laughs> what did you? Who did you enjoy being partnered with the most? Sid. Sid. Oh, Alan was lovely. Banter, I mean, it? having said that, Alan, Alan's acting was to the microphone. He didn't act to you. Oh, really? And then when I had Richard Attlee, whom I also loved dearly, but he was a much more um, theatrical background. Um, he's mercurial. He's Clement Attlee's grandson. Um, he's highly intelligent. And then suddenly I got this person who was all over me. I mean, the first we had this, the first thing, hardly knew him and we had to kiss. And I said, right, you know, mature radio actress, yeah, don't worry about this. Because um, we'd gone from kissing hands and chairs to actual kissing. So we come to the point of kissing and I turn my head away. I said, no, don't worry, that's rehearsal. When we get to the take, it's going to be fine. And I find I've done the same thing. And so by the time we got to the second take, he literally put me in a headley lock and forced me back and then kissed me on the cheek. Oh, God. <laughs> to get this sound effect. But when you're used to... Um, Kissing your own hand. I mean, when when Sid and Kathy were reunited in the ball, um, <laughs> we, we get the script, you see. And so Alan and I are looking at the script, and I say, right, I'll I'll kiss there. You kiss there. I'll kiss there. So you're coming. You say, oh Sid, oh Sid, and you're doing all of that. And the director said, Hedley, could you kiss yourself a bit more passionately? the only gentleman in the room gary gilday is laughing his ass off right um let me in fact i'll check is there other other male humans in the world no ladies only ah oh, 
This is the gender balance we can cope with in, in life. So just so you're clear, there's 38 of us on, 37 of whom are highly educated, fabulous women. So, um, <laughs> no surprises. I'm, I'm, I'm literally writing that down. Can you kiss yourself a bit more passionately? Well, no, Talk about that I for know. direction, loving it. Well, you go, from, you go from the chairs. So you start with two chairs. Then the BBC invested £500 to buy a chair that didn't squeak. And you're given this old duvet or blanket or whatever. So you're doing all these bed scenes, you know, oh, Sid, oh. Right, then you come into studio one day when we'd moved to the, um, I think it was the mailbox, might not have. No, it was, no, it was Pebble Mill. Yeah. You come in, there's a bed. And I say, that isn't in my contract. <laughs> um, and that's brilliant. So we get this bed and Alan sulks. He says, I don't, I, this is ridiculous. So it's like being in a black and white movie, you know, so he sits at the end of the bed sulking and I'm here doing the duvet rustle and acting. Yeah. <laughs> and then the phone goes and I'm supposed to leap up and answer the phone for Lucy. And of course I can't get up. You sort of get, oh, can't, can't quite get to the phone. Oh, anyway, thank God now that's gone. And we do just have a, a sofa in the mailbox, which can be a lot of things. So then you go from that and then you go to the fact you're in stereo. So all that, and, and suddenly they're saying, right, now we want you to really kiss because it sounds different. Oh, please. Anyway, as you see, I didn't respond well. <laughs> no, I, do, I definitely would kiss myself more passionately on that. Yeah. So, um, so, so that's your romantic life, which is quite a bit really, isn't it? For a small village, you did get round, yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, so, so job-wise, it was um, teaching. It was and, teaching until the affair, yeah. And how long, did you get fired because of the affair or did you, what happened there? No, no. Um, you no, weren't like she, Sid chucked her out. Yeah. He found out about her affair a year down the line and he chucked her out. So she, Caroline actually got her a job at um, Grey Gables, I think it was. can't remember if it was Grey Gables or Lower Loxley, looking after the swimming pool. I mean, we are going back in time, I can't, you know, and I'm old. Um, so, uh, so she quit teaching and then they reunited and she was still working. It must have been Lower Loxley because that's when she got to know the chef, wasn't it? Which was oh. all miserable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So she had a vibrant life. It's great because it meant, you know, she, oh, she had a baby, of course. After, after the reunion with Sid, she had a baby at 42. But that was scary. Now, talking about fans, that was scary because I'm walking in Stratford and I bump into somebody who used to be a parent at the school that's over the way. We're, oh, we're, 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 right. we're IRL here, are we? What's that mean? In real life. Yes, yeah, sorry, real life. Sorry, in real life. So, yes, yeah, so I'm walking along. Person comes up to me, Hedley, lovely to see you. Oh, she said, I've been following that storyline because I'm pregnant and I'm 40 plus. So I've decided not to have the amnio like you. <gasps> yeah. So it's all very well being glib about all these um, these soaps, but there is a responsibility factor there. You do have to be very careful. I suppose that's why they started some of these quite, sometimes quite inappropriate. Um, if any of you have been troubled by this, contact this number as a, as a fail safe. But yeah, that was that was a bit overwhelming. Gosh, that would have felt so strange because obviously, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, it felt odd. Mark, you say, just, I just read yeah. it out, you know, it's not my life. Yes, I did. I said that's, um, you kind of like have to be a bit careful, I said about, you know, when, when you, <laughs> what could you say? It was done. So I just said, well, I hope all goes well. Uh, well, on that front, I hope they have 
uh, June Spencer et al. enthusiastically getting vaccines from Boxing Day onwards and, you know, <laughs> vaccinating each other and vaccinating everybody, because I think that yeah, that's well. absolutely right. There are some of those things, you know... Yeah, it can be good. Well, we used to. We used to get quite polemical. So um, I would go to the village shop and Jill would be there. Oh, Cathy. Oh, hello, Jill. I've just been looking at this leaflet. Oh, yes, I saw that, Jill. Yes, it's about B&Bs and some of the things that you have to do. Oh, what do you have to do? You know, it's really, <laughs> but that they used to plonk those in. I don't know if they still do that much anymore, but it was part of the uh, mission statement after the war. Sure. And we were supposed to be helping farmers. Absolutely. Mm. And that sort of uh, didactic um, mm. expectation is interesting because in some ways it, there is the hangover from the agricultural advice. But again... Yeah. You know, no drama can su support multiple sort of um, health messages, social messages. I mean, it's, it's a lot mm -hmm. to ask of it, isn't it, really? Well, it's very hard to, um, like I was thinking, listening to you, I was thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if they discussed the conspiracy theories about the vaccination? Where have they come from? What are they based on? And suddenly that can take over the... Uh, show but it's not actually a drama anymore <laughs> mm. it's quite hard I think I think there's lots that's hard about producing the arches but I do think that's one element that how far can you go on a serious topic uh, without losing a sense of drama mm. and how do you weave characters in to that who would be in Ambridge let's think about it. who in Ambridge might be the anti-vaxxer um, I don't know I don't know I'd have to think about it there might be one, who, and you could have a really quite, you could have an interesting Hannah. scene. Hannah. So you could have an interesting scene between Hannah and perhaps Peggy or Chris, well, Christine's not there, but whoever. And you could you could do it that way. Um, somebody did mention it. Somebody said that Eddie might be one to get one from some social media. Pam David. Oh, Eddie good. might find some anti-vax stuff on his social media groups with his nefarious... Uh, well, they're called night hawkers and that kind of thing, but yeah, and Jazz, yeah. as well. Kate, oh, Jazza would be good. Kate, be actually, could be yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah from the sort yeah. of crystals end of things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 Kate definitely, because a lot I think of people a lot. Uh, I certainly know of some um, in that area who who don't want to mess with their bodies. So yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, I, I, honestly, I don't know how you begin. If you were given the, the job of editing, how, where would you begin? What would you uh, be tackling? Where would you go? There's I so much what's, now. what's fascinating has been, so I think, and we've talked a lot about the various circles of hell of Archer's fandom, and we are all, by giving up our Saturday morning to this, you know, we, we're mm -hmm. far gone, right? We are right there in Dante's mm -hmm. most extreme circle of hell. <laughs> but, but when you start out, it's always, well, that's ridiculous. They wouldn't yeah. do planning like that or they wouldn't do this like that. Right. And the more you get into it, the more I'm just in awe now that they can, they can even, I mean, you say it's like, the, it's like the bumblebee, the fact that it flies at all, you know, physics says this thing couldn't get off the ground. Like in 12 and a half minutes times four times mm. 52, how mm. they keep a hundred characters mm. on the road. Mm everybody's but you know and people always always a lot of the fans really notice like everybody's birthday everybody's they could literally just they could start everyone by being like happy birthday jamie mm -hmm. happy mm -hmm. birthday you know because yeah, it's absolutely true yeah and and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so and but meanwhile they they make it something that it's worth listening to i mm -hmm. mean it is mm -hmm. bloody unbelievable and mm -hmm. the whole sort of yes I mean, I don't subscribe to the theory of power that is this would all be better if I was in charge, but that's another point. But 
either but the character and the intentions I guess of the mm. editor I mean it's a huge responsibility isn't mm. it mm. absolutely I mean obviously he's helped by uh script writers I think he's got someone official now Jeremy how I think he's got someone official who looks into possible stories um but you know we've lost things we had an archivist she was brilliant funding mm. shortage she goes so when you come new this is one of the things I think because I think there's been quite um a noticeable change in what's going on in Ambridge and I think that's partly due to the fact that you have a group of new script writers, you have a new editor, you have a couple of new directors who actually don't have the history of the programme and it's quite hard to get hold of. Often, I mean, we always did say that we were our own continuity. So someone would say, oh, give Cathy a sherry. And I'd say, no, she's a gin. She drinks gin. Um, and the way my favourite was with Jamie, because um, they kept having her lifting Jamie up and, and putting him down. So I would do that acting because the child voice comes from a, a box in the studio. So you're going, oh, Jamie, come on then. And one day I did this. I said, hang on, how old is he? Oh, how old is Jamie? Perth? He's 37. Phones went. No, he was five. So someone didn't get down by himself. You know, come yeah, on. Yeah, no, so, yeah. so there's all of that going on. And and I think it's, Charlotte it's, said something very similar in terms yeah. of a lifetime relationship with Susan. She was her own continuity in that sense because... Yeah. Yeah. And also, so we've spent a lot of time thinking about Susan because we're kind of obsessed with the class aspects of the Archers. And um, I think um, she had filled it in in the most sensitive way but no. some writers just make her really shrill, just the gossip. They've side. overwritten her. There's no doubt about it. It's a shame because yeah. uh, she's a good actress and she was doing and playing a good part. But now they've turned her into a, a megaphone. I mean, what's the point? Very it's irritating. They did that a lot with Linda at some stage. It's not new, this. I mean, that's throughout the programme's development. Um, but they've done the same thing with Linda at times. And then suddenly over the monologues, you get Linda's sex life, which I found thinking hang on, I quite like Linda and Robert as light relief. I don't really want to know about her sexual problems with him. So I was a bit, for me... That, I, one, I that was particularly painful for reality. us. We, <laughs> we had dinner with Carol in Sheffield at the Sheffield... Oh, she's conference. gorgeous. She's amazing. Oh, my word. I mean, so talented. ...about her life with Linda, because, as you know, you, you don't oh, yeah. yourself around as Linda Snell, but yeah. you could have heard a pin drop. There's about 100 in the room. And she kept on doing this sort of teasing thing where she would be like and then and then apparently I was supposed to have met this woman called Linda Snell and she would give a <laughs> sniff and literally the whole room was like oh just my brilliant. god just brilliant no she's, she's amazing brilliant yes I didn't enjoy the whole Viagra story yeah. I'm on yeah I mean it's a little yeah. bit like thinking about the queen you know getting her rocks off not really on um <laughs> so let's go back to Kathy um Kathy yeah so Obviously, we're all coming from the big sister place, so we all want to be nice. But um, you did say to Royfield on Dumpty Dum that you felt a little bit like she hadn't been given a decent end. And I know that all the fandom agree. And this it was very peculiar. I've got to be honest. It was really, really, really peculiar. It was when Sean Connor was our editor. And Sean is highly intelligent, talented, creative, mercurial, um, and I don't think he handled it at all well. And it wasn't just me. I mean, he got rid of Terry, uh, Terry got rid of Mike Tucker and that storyline. And that was a shame. Mm. Uh, and Mike Tucker was part one of the bedrock characters in, mm. in The Archers. So I felt that some of the decisions he made, he's not got a good ear. Um, he's not got a good ear. So some of the characters he brought in, um, for me, didn't particularly work. 
Um, and I felt after all these years, what the BBC should have is a template of how you deal with this sort of situation. So you either call someone in and you say, look, Kathy, she's been great. Thank you so much. Some lovely storylines and you've done them very well. But we feel now that we need to bring in some new characters and maybe we can't think of anything further, further for her to go. So we are going to write her out. That's what you could do if you had, if you were straight uh, forward um, or you send a letter and you do the same a thing. A black but spot letter. The black spot. But in that black spot letter, you say thank you. Mm. And when I um, finished Archer's Addicts, it was fantastic because Gillian Reynolds, who's, the, as you know, Radio 4 critic and, and really good lady. Anyway, she gave me half a column just praising what I'd done with Archer's Addicts for fans and with Kathy. Mm. And because of that, Martha um, got hold of me for News at One. And so I had a little interview there. So I felt that at least um, two uh, institutions had marked this. Um, because to be honest, I haven't played an hour, I last in three years ago, Jeremy rang up and said, look, um, and of course COVID has changed everything, um, but we can bring her back and write her out properly, which, which will be good. And I said, yes, that's absolutely fine between you, me and the gatepost and all the hundreds of people who get this podcast, um, I've moved on. <laughs> you know, you, you don't, you, it was actually retrospectively fantastic. For the first time, I didn't have studio dates. My mm. brother rang up and said, do you want to go to France? Yes, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'm a grandmother. Really? I go and see the children. I help out my daughter. I mean, um, the scheduling I, side I, of things must have been extremely restrictive. Yeah, It's lovely. So that was all good. And I didn't want to do voiceovers anymore. It's quite interesting, probably to do partly with the death of my husband, I think, because when these deaths happen, um, a friend of mine put it rather well, your life jigsaw pieces are thrown up in the air, mm. and when they come down again, they make a different picture. And I, I think that's so. I think there are some very serious events in your life that um, actually uh, put you into a new direction. And that's very interesting. That's very um, fulfilling in a different way. I, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> so no more of that. I, I'm patron for the Phoenix Players, an amateur group in Stratford. Mar them terrifically, try and support as much as I can. Mentor a couple of would-be actors and help them with their audition pieces. Um, I'm chairman of the patient participation group. I'm now fighting for patients to be able to access their websites. And I want to know what they think about telephone consultations. All of this, so yeah, it's very interesting. Sorry, I'm off. To, I'm off piece. No, you're. You, this is weird. This is basically the the billing was just you talking. So please, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Cara wants to get in. Let's let's um broaden. Hello. What are you saying there about the jigsaw pieces uh, falling and creating a different picture? You know, you you say you've done that in your life. There's no reason why Kathy couldn't have done that in her life yeah. either. Yeah. And as you were talking about Kathy and thinking of her longer history, there's a lot of crossover there I, with my mum as well, actually. I hadn't put two and two together, but not, you know, my mum wasn't kicked out of the pub and things like that, but with being, you know, working in education, but it was very much, um, you know, as a single parent, her life very geared to me, bringing me up, so kind of mm -hmm. limited in that sense. But, you know, she's gone on and she's, you know, those jigsaw pieces have been thrown up for her and other things have happened. So why would that not be possible for Kathy? And I, I think that could be actually yeah. a really interesting storyline mm -hmm. around women 
getting to a certain age, thinking differently about their life, what is it they want to do? Mm -hmm. And you don't hear so much of that. And people are saying as well, with female friendships being really sparse within Ambridge. Mm. You know, Kathy, I th you know, thinking them could be one of those very good friends for people too. Well, Kathy and Pat were the friends, yeah. and this was what was so mortifying about just being yeah. dropped like that, without word, mm. um, and at a time when Pat was very much in need of a friend, and I would have liked to hear how she was talking about what was going on with Helen to, to Kathy, because she Pat, had nobody else. Pat was written disaster through that storyline. She was yeah. written wrong yeah. through yeah. the entire storyline, because, you know, yeah. I can't so much as change my bloody wheelie bin collection day and I'm 200 miles from my mum. The notion that anyone would be like, oh, in hospital, really? That's nice. You know, she just yeah. suspended all her critical faculties about that man. Wasn't yeah. in yeah. any way yeah. an ally to her daughter. Was a sort of ex-feminist in that it only meant burning her bra at a certain point in time, but not applying that allyship and sisterhood yeah. to her own daughter. And... And yes, of course, I mean, you're absolutely right. If Pat had been done right in that situation, of course, we would have heard her with yeah. Kathy being yeah. kind of like, well, you know, she, yeah. seems, she seems happy, but that, you know, there's a bit of tightness around her eyes. I can't really get into it. I don't know. What can you do with your kids? You know, like, yes, she should you have, have been... thought about it. You'd yeah. have flagged And again, it's actually Sean O'Connor's own sort of peccadilloes, yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't think he's particularly female friendly, certainly. Not at all. I think. Not at all. He didn't get and it. And again, I, what... I've got no stake in this, but I think he rather enjoyed having a strong woman destroyed by a man, to be fair, because he took quite a lot of, I think he took quite he a lot of glee liked in that story. The glitz. He liked the glitz. And he ensured it glittered more because he has a lot of contacts. So he enjoyed that attention, which actually it was Vanessa who started up that storyline. It wasn't, it wasn't Sean's. So well, that's interesting. I, can we, can we I cover think he, that? Because I always thought that was his contribution no, no, to the world. No, no. That was before Vanessa left. Um, so yes, consistency. It's 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 really hard because you've got such a mixed group of people also. When the archers started, there were 12 in the cast. When I entered into the arena, there were probably about 30. And uh, when I started Archers Addicts, there were 40. Archers Addicts started in 1990. So now you've got probably about 60. And one of the wise things that William Smether said was, it's much easier to create a new character than get rid of an old one. And so what you have is that slight indigestion as me as a listener, because I'm constantly hearing people I'm half digested and the people I fully digested, my lovely Aldridge's best dysfunctional family in the universe, um, et cetera. Um, I, I'm constantly, my ear is thinking, who is that? Which boy is that? Oh, I can't remember. Is that Toby or Rex? And is that Rory? And Rory, is that Freddie? And, that and um, who's Joy? <laughs> And Joy, that's, now that I find fascinating because they've actually introduced an old woman. Mm. Joy is old, she's what, 60 plus, um, comparatively old. Um, and so what's happened to Carol Tregoran, played by the brilliant Eleanor Brom? Superb actress. Listen, I could listen to just Eleanor Brom describing what's happening oh. in the village. Oh. And occasionally going over to her lesbian daughter. I mean, frankly. Yeah. And Maybe an interesting character with Cara, what do you reckon? Alternative yeah, her, archers. Her little, her little bit of witchery, her tease. Her, that was an interesting character. Oh, my God, um, she, was, she was amazing. So where's Joy come from? I don't know. Um, so do you see what I mean? So when I, I, I'm so relieved when I hear 
when I hear Linda, when I hear Robert, when I hear Neil, Neil is underused. Neil, Brown Hewlett, who plays Neil, is wonderful and a lovely foil to Susan. But they get endless Susan. Get Susan and Neil. The other thing William said, which I remember, he was very bright, was um, you need three. So with a household, you need at least three different members to make stories, which is why it was good that they moved Helen back for a Pat and Tony. Mm. Um, and so that's an interesting thing. That's an interesting observation, I think. No, it's really, really point really well made. And I think, um, certainly I think Kerry is responsible for all the Grey Gables scenes have had. Oh, and Kathy, what does Kathy say about this? Dear old Kerry, yeah, bless him, face like, old Kerry. It just literally <laughs> comes like a kind of clanging symbol. <laughs> and I must say, I was, I don't know, maybe I'm just overly, um, optimistic but I thought that the Grey Gables explosion was the chance to either yeah, bring her back, back and killed her off yeah or just <laughs> I'm I'm traumatized I'm moving to Spain you know what I mean that would yeah, you know yeah. I it sort of it just feels very sort of the strand is yeah. just sort of and and you're right three years in I mean imagine talking about this you know that yeah you know, you haven't been Kathy for three years. No, we're talking no. about you no longer being her. Yeah, and there's you know people would kill to have the, the crap they put on Netflix ever referred to the next day or the <laughs> next week. But to me, that's bizarre. <laughs> but the reality check is, and I've always felt this because for a long time, um, Pat and Pat Gallimore is a mate of mine, and we done a lot of work together um in at Pebble Mill we did a lot of lot of work I've done plays and programs for children and poetry and short stories you you know um and it's been uh, terrifically interesting and good but I do feel totally that you have to let go you have to let other young people look at little Susie Riddell with Tracy that's a delightful character as long as they don't overdo her let her let her grow a bit um and so you must let these ones in so yeah. when 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 it changes uh, uh, and you don't have any control over it it's really not the end of the world it's it's good to let other people do their thing and learn like I did and have the fun that I did I mean god you'd have loved it in those days oh, we didn't have, we weren't governed by accountants so if you did a series like I did um oh, it would be a Jane Austen or whatever we'd we'd all be there all the time and then on the last night, we'd all go off and have a meal. We'd all go and, and, and to local Chinese or whatever. There was a real camaraderie. There was a real sense of teamwork. Mm. And of course, when you are counting your pennies and you are saying, right, Headley, okay, you've got this part. We want you to come in two days in that seven. Okay, you can do it. But it's not half as much fun as we had. And listening sometimes to Radio 4 Extra and a lot of the plays we did, um, the work was good. Mm. And I... I still think it was partly because we knew each other we knew Tad jo John Rowe brilliant um uh playing uh Jane Jim Jim mm. uh the vet's father I mean I'd done quite a lot of work with him before he came to the Arches and so it's quite interesting so you'll do a scene with somebody who is not experienced in that way mm. and it's fine and it's a little bit hit or miss but it's okay and then you get someone like John or you get someone like Pat or we had Roz who used to play Clary and you're just in a different groove. There's a different oh, rhythm so to how you, you play. It is, and I hadn't thought about trust. this before. The Archers is, is a rep, isn't it? So it's, <laughs> a, it's a point. It's could be, it's like a, it's a, a, a it's, it's a rep company where yeah. you've got, um, and in some ways, 
you're right, the sort of refreshing nature of people coming mm. through and going on. Mm. Um, but no, I, I, I see, I mean, I won't really worry that have, you know, the monologues and all that, you know, fair enough, it was needs must as the devil drives. Mm. But you can imagine, you know, um, producers in the future being like, oh, just phone it in or, or just, you know, yeah, you know, I was thinking yeah. about yeah. some um, Gardner's world with Monty and his robots. You just think, yeah. no way on God's earth that Monty Don would have been like, let's have five robots in the garden and my wife can do half the filming. Yeah. She, he would have had a big amount of people around him to put the programme out. And the fact that Absolutely. that much difference, or there was, there was a difference, but because we were so grateful there was any output, everybody yeah. swallowed it. Yeah. And you couldn't do that that, that much technological change yeah. in normal times. And now what, you know? Uh, exactly, no, but that's really, really interesting because going back to the business of telephone conversations with doctors, okay, if you're good on the phone, if you're not hard of hearing, if the doctor doesn't have an accent, be it Welsh, Scottish or elsewhere, that you, I, I had a, a, a conversation recently, I had to say, I didn't know what to say, I had to say, oh, the connection is really bad, do you mind repeating that? There's lots of things. Some of it's good. Some mm. of the, but have we ever invented anything clever that hasn't ultimately dominated us? How in control how are we of what we invent? Well, there we are. I mean, and that's a question I would like you to debate. I would like the essay submitted by the end of the month. <laughs> you see, we said it, we said we're academic archers. We didn't say you had to set essay questions. <laughs> okay. I can say that question about creating something. Nicola and I started this, what, seven years ago. We had no idea. <laughs> no, no, same with us. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's just ch talk about that because I've put, I've been doing in the, I know you're in the group, so you see what we're up to on Facebook, but I've been doing an Academic Arches advent calendar, partly oh. to remember when we used to all get together all the time because it was quite, you know, we had online, you know, we, ne we, ne we would never have done this, for example, without the pandemic, but it's mm. gone down really well. And we're doing our next conference online which good. Um, so we've adapted a lot yeah really at the heart of all the of any enterprise like this it is the friendships that keep it going because um you know so could you maybe talk about some of the relationships that you developed through archers addicts and what that was like because from because in a sense you're the sort of standard bearer for how to do the fandom oh, i don't know about that um that was but a first of all anybody that was in archers addicts can you give us a wave is anybody still anybody? max pat? Mac and pat brown only a couple there's a couple yeah. still still highly engaged it was um so it was 23 years um and i was a blank page i had no idea about anything i, I thought business was boring um and of course, it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And of course, being female, but with the advantage of being in the archers. So in business, if I talk to somebody who listened to the archers, like, for example, the then uh, curator of the Royal Mint, because I was trying to con him into doing an archers stamp, I think, for the 50th anniversary. And he showed me all sorts of treasures. He just couldn't, you know, he just loved it. So that was uh, it, it was still a privileged kind of business. Um, I learned that the brand wasn't sufficient to make a lot of money. People don't. It's one thing to listen, quite another to want to buy things or so on. We did do our conventions, which were very successful and a labour of complete love. I tell you, you know about this, but oh, my God. Um, and the fascination of talking. And what I learned was you can be blind in an absolute pill that 
old people can be fantastically brave. And I had one woman on the phone for 20 minutes and we were trying to work out how she could use a credit card. And at the end, um, she said, well, I have, I think I've taken up a lot of your time. I said, absolutely not. I, I, and she said, well, you see, I'm 90 and I just want to get to know how to do these things. <laughs> I thought, yeah. So I learned that by and large then, I don't know if things have changed. I dealt with a lot of pretty humble people. They didn't expect a lot. And then I had the nutters. So there was one poor man. Uh, when we started, because we were the first to create a website, yeah. and we were there with, I mean, I was doing scripting in some HTML, I'll go back that far, and then we had fax for a very brief time, that was very exciting, and then of course emails, and then mobile, so everything's just galloped so fast. Mm. Um, why am I telling you this? Oh, this man, okay. <laughs> so at that point in time, the um, computer rounded invoices up or down. So he had rung up and he was absolutely furious because he'd had to pay an extra penny. And I could hear my, my staff lady, my lovely assistant, getting more, I didn't know what was going on. She was getting very aerated. And um, she said she would ring him back and put the phone down. So she explained to me what the matter was. So it's all right, I'll, I'll deal with that. So I rang him up and I said, I completely understand. This is so frustrating and so annoying. So what I'm doing is I'm putting one of our archer's pens in the post for you. It's it's normally retails at 3.99. So I hope you'll find that that, that was all right. <laughs> so you did learn about dealing with people. But then I think I mentioned before to you, I had a group of special people um, who had um, various degrees of uh, vulnerability and I were very I was very attached to them about five of them and I do wonder now what has happened to them and they came faithfully to everything and um, had really good strong opinions about the archers and I did feel quite motherly I did feel quite motherly oh bless you bless you so I mean, yes, I it's, it's so right like the technology stuff like you, I mean, it's fascinating. You were mm. early in to have a website. Mm. And I mean, you know, I mean, look at the faces on screen. Some of these people are not 21, you know. And <laughs> oh, we're yeah. all with great facility using Zooms, yeah. links, yeah. Ticket Tailor. I mean, there's no yeah. other way Brilliant. because we can't, you know, I mean, as I say, having put 214 Christmas cards in the post, I think it's what made my back go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not surprise. I'm not surprised. And the thing is, it, I, I'm interested in in the point about expectation because, again, n nobody on this this call would ever be that in this camp. But there is a sense that once people have paid for something, oh yes, no, we've got that side of it. Ticket. Oh yes. Although when we did our first convention, we did at Malvern, and I would you see how green I was. It went from ten in the morning till uh, ten at night because I was a party in the evening we had side shows and all sorts of things um so you can imagine I was absolutely we had Wendy um oh god the lovely East End of Wendy Wendy Richard came to open it for us talk about pro well sat at her desk she got these all these photos out of her case you just sign them up oh there you are love there you are there you are. <laughs> brilliant um so anyway, come about 11 o'clock at night, everyone had finally gone except for this very, very distressed woman. She said, I cannot find my car. Heart sank. You know, I've been there since about seven. So I said, oh, right. OK, um, well, we're going to have to notify the police. So we notified the police and we were looking and she said, oh, I said, what? She said, I didn't bring it. 
I said, oh. She said, no, a friend brought me. I think she's gone without me. <laughs> so we had to contact the police and say, please don't worry. We had to contact her friend and then had to come and get her. Oh, my giddy aunt. Whenever yeah. you're moving a large number of people into strange places, oh. anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Will go I mean, wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's always unforeseen because you, you get quite anal. You list after list and there's going to, this oh, is going to happen. <laughs> Well, listen, we could go on for hours and hours, but I'm going to finish it. And that's the hour, Headley. And it's my darling moment. You've been absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it's lovely to see all of you and to know that you're all listening and still enjoying it. And in, mainly, I think, enjoying each other's company and having a good old natter about it. And on that, I think festive wishes to all um, yeah. archers and academic archers, past, present, and future. Bye, okay. everybody. Bye bye. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> so that's the recording.